Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Good Tuesday to you all. It is a truth or fiction Tuesday. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni, back in the saddle again after a a weekend away uh, with my in-laws. And it sounds like you had some fun with your in-laws as well, Pat, this past weekend. Oh, it was a joy. It always is with the uh with the uh Parkovich clan. It is always a joy. Um with that being said, um I do enjoy my in-laws. They're they're a riot. Um they're, they're good people, so I really enjoy it. And and I've heard nothing but good things from you uh about your in-laws as well, Pat. So um with that being said, do not forget you can follow us on the Social media platform of your choice. I am at the Coppin Show. He is at the Pat Only Show. The show is at Critical Thinking Show on Instagram. You can always go to criticalthinkingshow.com or you can follow us by going to our Rumble page and watching the show every single Monday through Friday when we are here on Monday through Friday. But yes, every single time uh, it is rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And of course, do not forget, download, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. If this is the first time that you are listening to us via podcast, welcome. This is the show that requires you to put a thinking cap on. This is a show that requires you to engage in thought, not just anger, outrage, everything like that. So on a Truth or Fiction Tuesday, this is how we do it. If you're new, it's very, very simple. We each give a statement or two to each other. We ask the other person if that statement is truth or fiction, and we discuss. Just as simple as, Pat, you get to go first. So go ahead and give me your first truth or fiction of this week. All righty then. 
Um, truth or fiction? Christians expect to be a minority uh, or cease to being, or let me rephrase this. Truth or fiction, Christians cease to be a majority in the United States in less than 50 years. Truth. And I, I think that's the case because we've already seen the secularization of our world. And this might go to another question um, or a statement that I'm going to make later. So I'm going to leave part of this alone. But let me ask you a question, maybe a rhetorical question. Are we a more godly or less godly society today than we were 10 years ago? Yes. Were we less godly or more godly 10 years ago from 10 years from then? Yes. This has been a steady decline in our society because we have increasingly worshipped at the altar of the secular in our society. We have continued to worship at the altar of the science. We could talk about climate change. We could talk about all of those things. But all we have to do is look inside the church for the answer to this, Pat. I, I, I think the answer is very, very very obvious when you go to church, when you look at the programming of your church and the offerings. And I talked about very openly leaving my parish and choosing another home inside the Catholic Church this summer because my church decided that it was going to feature a writer who wrote a book that was basically anti-Catholic, or even if it's not anti-Catholic, that's my personal viewpoint, even if it's not anti-Catholic, it goes against the teachings of the church in order to make that individual feel better about himself and the choices that he made throughout his life. And they chose to feature speakers in programming that is antithetical to the teachings of the church. How could you stand by and watch that happen, right? We see it all the time in these community churches. We see it all the time in, you, you name, a, name a church that doesn't have wokeism. Look at the Jesuits inside the Catholic faith, right? The, the Jesuit priesthood. That's where Pope Francis came from. Look at the Pope. A lot of people will look at him as anti-Catholic. He is antithetical to, to traditional teachings of the church. And that's not to say that the church cannot change and that things shouldn't be discussed, that they must be set in stone. But there are certain tenets of the faith that cannot, should not be changed. Because if they are, it is no longer Catholicism. And we're getting down that road with this Pope. So you look at the internal structures of the church. You look at the internal wokeism. You see the you know DEI and the 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 pronouns, and you know we've got churches with transgender individuals, and we're not even talking about like 
radical sects of a of a church. We're talking about quote unquote mainstream churches, right? Who have, you know, gay marriage as a thing. It is antithetical to any teaching of real Christianity. And when you see that sickness inside the church, I, I just don't know how you can go about saying that we're not going to be a, a we might be a majority minority, but we will be a minority. We have slowly, steadily seen a decline in faith. Now, I think the good news is that we've actually seen an uptick in real faithful response and real faithful um, participation, if you will, from the younger set, Pat, from the younger crowds in America today. If you look at the numbers, it is our age group that is the problem. It is not the 16 to 24 age range, if you will, because I see a lot of them. Now, I can argue that a lot of them are attending the church of me and not the actual Christian church, but at least they're attending. And eventually, someday, maybe they wake up and the church of me is no longer serving because it turns out that serving yourself over serving God is an abomination. But at least they are attending church. So I think there's some hope, but I think you're I I don't see us being a majority in five years, let alone 50. I, I don't see how that's possible because it is also driven by government, Pat, for me. It is driven by the fact that the government has become a, a replacement for faith for a lot of people. You look at the fact that they turn to government for the answers, right? We, we've talked about all of these things, but when we have a government that has put the boot on your throat over and over again over the last decade plus, it's hard not to turn away from faith, right? And I think we've seen that increasingly. I think we see an increasing secularization of our thought process. Not even, not even a lack of faith, but they don't turn to God, the church, the charities of the church. First, they turn to government for the answers. That's where I come down with this. This is totally true. You are uh, much more, how do I say, faithful with this statement than I am. I'm much more cynical, um, which is, I don't know. I feel like kind of surprised. I, I feel like it goes the other way around sometimes. I think I feel like you're a little bit more cynical than I am on when it comes to a lot of this stuff than uh, – mm -hmm than usual but i i feel like the, the the script has been maybe a little bit flipped on this one yeah i'm actually just going to be to... clear though pat what i'm what i'm saying is that the statement that you made is true it's happening faster than this uh -huh. 50 years but i have faith long term that because we have a group that that is rooted in some sort of a faith tradition in this younger set that we can pull out of it eventually it's going to get dark very dark don't get me wrong um, but that's where I'm going with that. Fair enough. Um, so where I come down on this 
is actually fiction. But I caveat this with, you're right that this is happening. I'm saying this is fiction because we're already there. Mm. So I I don't think it's going to take 50 years. I think we're already there. Now, before I give the rest of my statement, I will say a lot of this comes from the uh, Pew Research Center. Uh, it says, depending on whether religious switching continues at recent rates, speeds up, stops entirely, the projections show Christians of all ages shrinking from 64% between a little more than half 54% and just above one-third 35% of all Americans by 2070. The center noted that religiously unaffiliated Americans could likewise rise from 30% to somewhere between 34% and 52% of the U.S. population over that same period. So here's why I say this is fiction and, and, and the reason why I say that we're already there. Kind of comes at something that you, you hinted at already within your your truth or fiction statement here or, or your truth or fiction answer to this. And that is we often, even though we go to church, a lot of, a lot of so-called Christians nowadays, and I'm going to say, I, I know this is probably going to offend a few people, but I'm going to say it anyway. We go through the motions. We don't generally practice our own faith. The reason why I say this is how can you be pro-Christianity and pro-abortion? Mm-hmm. How can you be pro-Christianity and allow your children to be subjected to the rainbow jihad type educational systems and religion? How can you be Christian and basically let our morality just completely disappear? What about the jab, for example? How many churches try to push their congregations into getting that jab? And in doing so at the behest of this is a godly act. They they weaponized exactly. the church. They weaponized faith into, and I would have said this about anybody uh, doing this from either side, by the way. Right. Weaponizing the church to tell you, you must do something to your body. This is the problem that I have with a lot of these so-called community churches, these so-called non-denominational churches, right? You see this all the time. Do something to your body in the name of your faith. And if you don't, you're an unchristian. Right. I was uh, I was talking with my sister-in-law over the weekend because one of the things that I see from my own faith is while they are very Christ-centered and they, they do – every Sunday, get up at the pulpit and they speak of Christ's teachings and things like that and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Which is great. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. However, 
I've been wanting somebody somewhere. And, and whether this comes from church leadership, because we have we have general conferences this weekend where we hear from our first presidency and things like that, um, and other general authorities of our church. But I want someone locally at our pulpit speaking out against the evil of our times. And even in general conference, they do to some degree. But I don't know that it's enough. And the reason why they don't do it is because they're afraid of losing people. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of losing membership. And and they're afraid of what they created calling what they call a stumbling block for members of the church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my my thing is this, is, is why... Why? Why would you be afraid? You, you, you want to talk about going apostate. The way you prevent that is by speaking out against these things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not letting it just go to the wayside. So we're in my mind, we're already there. We're only, most, a lot of us are only Christian in name only. We don't practice what we preach. Yeah, and... I think as we talk about reviving liberty and stuff like that, the the first step that we've put out there, right, is what? Root yourself in God. And this is a challenge to all of us to daily practice it in our own lives. And it's not easy, by the way, because sometimes that practice is a realization that you are doing something that's not right. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it's a realization of... A, a sin in your own life, or hang on a second, I'm being really judgmental of of somebody or some situation that I shouldn't be. And remembering that there's a difference between um, God's judgment and human thought, right? There's a very big difference because in the Catholic faith, right, there's only one judgment. It is your judgment day. There's only one person that gets to judge you in the end, and that's God. Okay? So, <clears throat> it can be that. It can also be a recognition that, you know, maybe it's more involvement in the in the church. Maybe it is more personal involvement in the Bible and understanding that. And that, I think, is a lot of what a, a Catholic body of, of faith would <clears throat> tell you is that, the way that the Catholic Church works, it's very difficult for them to be rooted in the Bible because it is spoken to you every Sunday at Mass, right? How many people thoroughly understand what is being taught in the Bible? Unless you go to a Bible study, unless you begin that journey for yourself. There's a great podcast out there, The Bible in a Year. And yes, it's led by a Catholic, but it gives you a very good rooting in the Bible, doing something as simple as that, taking 10, 15, 20 minutes out of your day. Listen intently, set aside the social media, set aside the computer, set aside whatever, right? And and just intently listen. How many of us do that? And, And that's, I think, to your point, is that how many of us are practicing versus just going through the motions? And I agree with you 100% there. Now, speaking of practicing and going through the motions, I have a truth or fiction for you, Pat. <clears throat> America is a fascist state. We just have not realized it yet. 
truth or fiction? That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go, I mean, I mean, I, it really does depend on which angle you look at this from, I guess. Um, but I'm going to go with generally fiction. Okay. Um, the reason why, and I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at my own state. Um, and, and looking at the people here that are doing everything that they can to stand up against government tyranny and to stand up for, for, for liberty. Um, no, I, I don't think that we are now, if I were to look at this from a different angle, I, I, I could make the argument that, that there's truth to this because our elected officials and our government are pushing things on American society that they have no right doing. You could make that case in point. I mean, uh, look at the jab for Pete's sakes. <clears throat> now, what is the definition of fascism, Pat? At its very basic level, what is it? And and I think this is important. And I was going to bring this up in 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 my truth or fiction, but I'm gonna or my portion of this, but I'm gonna bring up this because uh Steve Dace gave us a really great breakdown. And I want you to address this. And, and maybe right. maybe it's important for our audience to also understand this. Because what is the definition of fascism? But as Steve Dace pointed out, fascism is literally the fusion of the elites in public and private sector for control right. over the populace. And he's talking about the Italian uh, prime minister um, election. But... But do we or do we not already have this in place where the elite of the public and the private sectors are not just in cahoots, but they are controlling the populace? Um, I mean, it's certainly a, a totalitarian one, one party. I, I don't like the idea of one party in this is – it's usually like a totalitarian one-party state would be, you know, fascism, right? Um, but in this case, but, you know, but I can't not, make but, but that's the – but okay. So this is where the the discussion of fascism can go off the rails because so many people have muddied the waters of what fascism is. Fascism at its basic root – because there's no real like hard and fast definition, but at its root, right. at its very core, it has to be the public and the private – together for control it is public partnership with private business it is public partnership with private individuals if you look at the history of of italy if you look at the history of the fascism of the early nazi era if you look at the fascism um, that was going on throughout the rest of europe it is always a marriage of the public and the private for control that being said i'm still going to go with fiction the reason why I'm sticking with fiction is because while I know our government and our private sectors are trying, I mean, they're trying for the whole ESG, social, equal, social equality and all that sort of fun stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, they, they've tried pushing us down the road of the jab and mandating the jab. They, they've tried they've tried all of these things. Uh, they have not either completely or have not succeeded at all in a lot of these efforts as of yet. So 
I can't say. And the reason why they haven't is because we, the people, and some people in government have pushed back. So, no, I can't. I can't say that we are there yet. I think we're definitely headed down that road, but we're not there yet. Okay, so I want to I want to pull this up again because Steve Day says fascism is literally the fusion of elites in public and private sector for control over the populace. Italy's new prime minister is opposed to that fusion. She may be a lot of things, but by definition, she cannot be a fascist. However, that's actually what her opponents are. And, and I want to think about this, because as America and as Americans, right, would we know fascism if we saw it? I don't know if we would. That, that's a fair point. Okay, I don't know if we would. And that's the point that I think we have to look at. We absolutely are, are a fascist society, Pat. And here's why. Let's take a broad stroke look at the news from this past weekend as we were away. In Philadelphia, or an outskirt of Philadelphia, what did our government decide to do, Pat? What did the FBI do? What did the Department of Justice do? They decided that a Catholic father of seven children who runs an organization that prays and offers assistance outside of abortion clinics. They decided to charge him with some cockamamie violation of the uh, Fair Access to Care Act or whatever, the FACE Act, okay? For what? Fleeing the scene of a, of a, how shall we put this? A heated exchange and walking away, right, from the pro-abortion activists who were screaming at his 12-year-old son, yelling obscenities, screaming at him, blah, 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 blah. They walked away. The guy followed, continued to follow, continued to harass, turned around and said he had enough is enough. If you've seen the video, he barely touches the guy, and he falls to the ground. Do we remember seeing the video? Of the guy in Canada, right, Pat? Or, or not even Canada. That might have been in Michigan, which is Canada to you, ironically. Um, but either way, the 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 crisis actor, right? Oh, you hit me with your truck. I'm dead. You can literally see him walk up to the truck and bounce off of it and play dead, right? They are they are charging him with a felony. Again, they're literally charging him with a felony for that. Meanwhile, this case has actually been adjudicated in a court of law. The case went in front of a judge. They charged him with a crime, quote-unquote. The judge, before it even got to jury, dismissed it out of hand because it was so ridiculous. Yet they decided... That this individual who has a lawyer, this individual who has cooperated in every aspect of the case all the time, needed 20 to 30 uh, FBI SWAT officers with long guns drawn 
banging on the door, threatening the family, pointing the gun at the kids. Why? Why is this a case the Department of Justice would care about? Why? Because it is a weaponization of the politics of Merrick Garland, of Joe Biden, of the public and private elite. Right? This is the weaponization of we we disagree with the Supreme Court and its decision. That's very clear, right? So we're going to weaponize our positions of power. We've seen it with Merrick Garland, with Letitia James, right? We've seen it with them doing what? Swatting, raiding uh, Mar-a-Lago. We see that Letitia James or Letitia James or whatever her name is in, in uh, New York, not bringing in a criminal case against Donald Trump and his family because she doesn't have the goods, but a civil fishing expedition because politics, right? Because public private, and we cannot, we cannot abide by Donald Trump being near a candidacy. When you take a look at every aspect of what is going on in American society today, all the chaos you see, all the things that are going on, this is fascism. Yes, you're right. There's the Eric Mutsos of the world. And yes, there are the, the you know, Simone Golds and Peter McCullough's and, and other doctors out there and people willing to fight. But guess what? There were people who fought fascism throughout the fascist reign of Mussolini, right? There were people who fought, 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 fought. But, Pat, did they win or gain power? No. Eventually, what ended up happening to them was that they were ultimately defeated in World War II, and Mussolini dies. And with him and his death, fascism never reigns again in Italy. Now, that's not to say that we're going to see a Mussolini here in America, but fascism is not a set-in-stone political ideology. Fascism is a practice Right? It is a practice. And what else do we see other than the weaponization of public and private thought against those who think differently? What what did we see? To this day, Pat, to this day, this weekend, Canada releases its vaccine mandates for anybody traveling into the country. Have the, has the United States done that? No. Why? I couldn't tell you, right? We see them continue to tell you in the military. The military is a great example of a microcosm of fascism. Think about what's going on in the military today. Take the jab or what? It is purge. Fascists purge in the society. They purge internally inside their own sphere and then externally. What is happening in America today, they have already purged internally, by and large. If you take a look at anybody, like a Joe Manchin, a Kirsten Cinema, right? They're they're pariahs, outlaws, in in for what? Thinking a little bit differently inside the party. But take a look at what's happening outside of it. What is the effort? What is the goal? It's not just to get Donald Trump not to be able to run in twenty twenty four. It's to bankrupt him. It's to use him as an example. 
Look at what's going on with the January 6th trials. I could go on and on and on. January 6th trials, by the way, there's a really important trial happening um, uh, this week within that. If you've been paying attention, go to Julie Kelly, by the way, um, from American Greatness. Go to her uh, Twitter feed. Absolutely fantastic follow uh, to understand what is really happening. This is the definition of fascism. Literally, this is the the Mussolini you know, weaponization of, of political opponents, right? We're seeing it. Most of these people have not had speedy trials, have had not been given access to the right representation and all of those things. So for me, I, I cannot honestly sit here and say we don't live in a fascist society. We do. It's just that we haven't seen the militarization of it yet. But unless we do something very different in not just the 2022 and the 2024 election cycles, but we do something different as a culture, we do something different, we demand different as a society. Sure, like I said, you've got your Eric Mutsos, you've got your, you know, your New Jersey gym people, you've got these stories that exist, right? In pockets in America. But Pat, is San Francisco changing? Is Chicago changing? Is New York City changing? Are any of the centers of our population changing? No. And until that happens, until our culture changes, until these things go differently, fascism reigns. It does. What, what about Florida? What about it? Is it fascist? America is. I, see, here's the thing. It's like I don't think that you can just take America as a whole when you have different states that that have are that are not. You had different I, I parts of Italy that. that were less fascist or not fascist. But the what what you're not gonna what you're missing is the piece to the puzzle that's not quote unquote there yet, right? Is the totalitarian ability to just crush them with imprisonment, you know, all of those things. Trust me, they're trying with Ron DeSantis, with that immigration stunt that he pulled, right? They're going to try right. that. They're going to use every lever of power that they have. That's why it's important. If you want to get rid of fascism right now, you have to take them out of the levers of power. But when we see the FBI being used and abused against the, uh, against the God-fearing, living normal live individuals when we're seeing the weaponization of the nsa the cia when we see them spying on the american people illegally when we see the weaponization of of the department of justice as a political arm not just a and this has been going on for a while but as a political not a justice but a political portions of this we see the national archivist by the way did you see that last week Right, the stupid National Archivist. Wh what? The National Archivist believes that Donald Trump supporters are antithetical to America and should be eliminated. Like we're talking about one side believing the extermination of not just a viewpoint, but of the actual people is the way to go. It sure there's a Florida right now. There's a Texas right now, but uh, how, how great is that? 
How powerful is Texas? How powerful is Florida? Now you can say, yeah, sure. Uh, millions of people have moved to Florida. And that's great, grand, wonderful. But does it matter when the power structure from the federal government puts its boot on that throat? Because if Ron DeSantis starts to try to run in, in, in going into the 2024 election, what the hell do you think they're going to do to him? They're going to do the same thing they're attempting to do to Donald Trump. They're going to turn over every minute rock that they possibly can. They're going to exploit. They're going to play dirty. Because that's what fascists do. Fascists have always done that. Mussolini had plenty of political opponents, plenty of, of parts of Italy. Remember, Italy, until relatively recently, was a bunch of separate states. It wasn't even a country. So I, I look at this and I say, yeah, you're right. Florida exists. Okay. So what? New York, right? Letitia James. Look at, uh, look at the governor. Who literally tells you if you don't believe in XYZ, you don't belong here. This this is what's happening throughout the country, whether that's at a state or a local or now the federal level. You will kneel before Zod, you will kneel before the spirit of the age, or else. That's fascism. That is the classical, only real put-together definition that you can find of fascism. What part of, I guess I would look at it this way, Pat. I'm going to ask you a question. What part of our society suggests that we're not fascist? That's a great question. I can't well, say it's I, our faith. I, 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 think, I think the only, the only thing that, that you could technically go down and say at this point Mm -hmm. is that we have not established y yet. Again, they're trying. I 120% agree. They're, they're definitely going trying to go down this road. The only thing that I can truly point to is that we are not a full-on totalitarian society as of yet. Right, but that's not a requirement of fascism. That's that's See, what, what I'm saying is that we see fascism through the lens of World War II here in America because it's the only close relate, relation that we have to it. So the, the fascism takes this. very different forms throughout history and throughout modern times. Would you say so, that, look, for instance, would you say that um, Russia is a fascist state? Yes, I would. How do we look much different than Russia? Right now, I, I I mean this from a political, structural. The only difference is that we have not gone full on blatant rig in election. That's that's really the only difference is that we just don't have the. We're gonna turn the whole thing on, right? Where we're gonna we're gonna blow up the two terms limit on the presidency. We're gonna blow up this. We're gonna blow up that, right? And and boom, we've gone full totalitarianism. I agree with you there, but there doesn't mean that we're not fascist. I I, I would struggle for anybody to point to any 
part of our society that doesn't subscribe to that. Look at the church, right? We gave that example earlier, how they they have top-downed the church in a way in which they're going to shame you into doing something. That I've never seen that ever, even inside the Catholic Church. Trust me, shame is a thing inside the Catholic Church, right? But it's not a concept of um, do something. I, I don't even want to go down that road, I guess. But my point being that you see it inside the church. You see it inside civil society, right? You see it inside. You see it in sports for crying out loud. The messaging from every league, right? The we, you can't tell LeBron James to shut up and dribble, but owner of the Houston Rockets, shut up and make us money. I, I hope people understand that fascism is not a militaristic thing. Fascism is a philosophy. It doesn't require the point of a gun. Now, in some cases it does, but notice the point of the gun is pointed at pro-life. Notice the point of the gun of the government today is pointed at whom? Notice the speech, the red background, the speech given by the President of the United States last month, or the, well, earlier this month, not quite October yet. That is the most fascistic thing I have ever seen. Paint your opponent as what? Immoral, um, dangerous, um, you name it. Name an adjective that's bad, evil, wrong. That's fascism. That is literal fascism. That is a fascistic thought process. My opponent cannot be right ever. My opponent cannot act in good faith ever. My opponent is evil. My opponent is anti-American. What's it? What's American? There's never a response to that, right? There's never a response to what is, what is being an American today. There's never a response from the fascist side to that, because to do so would be to do what? Put a definition on it. Put a label on it. But I think I think people need to think on this one. They really do. I'm not I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying you're right. I'm saying that you guys out there need to really think hard, because if we do live in a fascist state, how do you fight that? Well. Whether I'm right or you're right or whatever the case may be here, we're, we're still in a world of trouble. You know, we're either already there or we're on our way there. Mm -hmm. And we either have to end the fascist state or we have to prevent the fascist state and actively be fighting against the idea of fascism. Either way is bad. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah. All right. So with that out of the way, though, Pat, um, why don't we play a little bit of the B or not the B, or do you want to skip the B or not the B? Because we still have two more uh, topics to discuss here on the on the uh, truth or fiction. Uh, let's skip it. All right. Two more topics to go. Um, I'm going to bring up my topic here. And um, I'm going to throw something up because I saw this over the weekend. And I think we kind of briefly talked about this. But my statement here is that the difference between pro-life and pro-abortion messaging in the 2022 election, or just in general, one side preaches love, the other anger. Truth or fiction? 
So one side preaches love and the other side preaches what? Anger and hate. Anger. Oh, that's truth. Okay. Because I'm um, going to bring this up before you get into furthering your definition, because I saw this over okay. the weekend. And this is somebody else's, um, uh, somebody on Facebook, a, a friend or acquaintance of mine, put this on their story. And this is, uh, if you can't see it on the Rumble page, go to rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Otherwise, um, it is one of the characters from The Handmaid's Tale. I've never seen the show. Don't care to. Don't want to. Um, but it says, stay angry. November is coming. Stay angry. November is coming. Could you get any any more realistic pro, pro, portrayal of that side of the of the debate. One side comes from love. The other comes from anger. And it can be broken down as simple as this for me, Pat. But I'm going to let, I'll, I'll let you speak first. How does, how does that sound? I'm gonna let you I was going to say, for, for me, it's relatively simple. I mean, you've got people that are advocating to protect life, right? You don't protect life if there's no love. You just you just don't. Um, and then if you looking at the other side, I have never seen since since the overturn of Roe versus Wade, I have not seen an angrier set of people more upset because they can't kill kids. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you there. I think it comes down to to your point. You cannot possibly want to protect life from a position of anger no to protect life comes from a position of loving humanity loving human beings now on the other side it's also anger it has to be anger it can only be anger why because very simply this pat they're angry about the situation they're angry about um, getting pregnant um, from a one inch They're angry They're about, angry the about they this. They're angry about that, right? It right. all comes from anger about a choice that they made and don't like the consequences of, potentially. Right, right. And what, when you look at the like the pregnancy crisis centers and the all of those types of things that that exist in and around abortion clinics, right? What is the message? Love. That's it. It's just that simple. It's love of that baby. It is love of the mother who's struggling. It is love of humanity and showing love, showing care, something that some of these people have never seen in their entire lives. Uh, or knowing that, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, giving them that loving experience transforms that anger love always transforms anger anger doesn't transform love by the way one of uh one of my coworkers last <clears throat> week came to me and was come just bawling out on the phone asked if they could confide in me for for a few minutes and said i'm unexpectedly pregnant and my my boyfriend doesn't know if he wants to be involved and doesn't know if he wants to stick around 
and I just don't know what to do. And I, you know, I asked her if she had a support system and she, she did. Um, she went to stay with her mom and sister and, um, I just simply encouraged her. I'm like, if you need help, you know, there, there are resources out there that, you know, I'm willing to help you find, um, if, if you need it, you know, she, it was a lot of uncertainty at the time. Things have since gotten better for her. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is like, like I just, I encouraged her to not give up. Yeah, absolutely. And don't take the easy way out. And that, and I, and that, that, that this is an incredibly awesome opportunity for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, notice that the messaging is always love. It is never judgment. It's love. Look, things right. happen all the time in life that we can't control or or that we didn't intend to happen, except for you can make the argument that if you're having unprotected sex, right, mm-hmm. that's an intended act, right? Uh, that, right. That's going to happen. Uh, but that all notwithstanding, notice it doesn't come from judgment. It comes from love and understanding. And I think that's important. Um, but I, I think that as we look at the chaos, the anger that people are feeling uh, towards their situations in life, it is important to understand that love conquers anger. It is important to highlight this for me because look at this. Look at this. Stay angry. Stay angry. Who says that? Except for the spirit of the age. Who says that? Stay angry. You must stay angry so that you can vote in November. Those in the pro-life movement, stay motivated. Stay prayerful. Stay full of love because love always wins. It's just that simple. It is just that simple. There's a, it may not win today. It may not win tomorrow. It may not win 20, 30, 40 years. Right? It took 50 years almost to overturn Roe versus Wade. From a position of love. But love won eventually. They want to talk about love wins on the LGBTQ, P apostrophe, tilde, and sign, right? That's a mantra. It used to be a mantra. But notice it's a position of anger today. There's no love wins anymore. It's just a slogan. It's not a reality. They don't preach that. There's no such thing as love wins with them. It's bend the knee or else, you bigot. It's a position of anger. How dare you? How dare? How dare? How dare? That should be their new slogan. All right. With that out of the way, though, Pat, one more from you. All right. Uh, Truth or fiction? The... A current economy is spelling bad news for Democrats and leftists in the upcoming midterm elections. Uh, duh, this is truth. Um, because there's the reality, right? The October surprise, where we're, you know everybody's waiting for that. I think there's one October surprise nobody wants to talk about: the jobs numbers. Because I've had conversations. Now, this is anecdotal evidence, but. Here's what I trust when it comes to anecdotal evidence. I trust on-the-ground information to then bear out more broadly. And, and I use this from a data analysis perspective, right? Because I might notice a pattern in, in phone calls coming into me, right? Um, like from a customer service rep. Like, hey, by the way, I've seen like 10 phone calls from this garage, right? 
talking about how they can't get in and it's oversold. What the hell is going on? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay. But that might be the only 10 that happened all day long. Out of 500 people that booked. Okay. Is that a problem? No. It's a very, very small minority. And that might be the only 10 people all week. Right. So then you have to, you have to ask yourself, is this something that you're hearing more broadly? I'm hearing on the ground from people in all walks of life, in all areas of the economy, two things are happening. Hiring freezes, well, three things, reduction of hours and reduction of workforce, period. Look at the uh, real estate industry, Pat. There are three major names in real estate, right? There's Compass. Right, that's a big brand when it comes to real estate agencies. There's Keller Williams and there's EXP. Okay, EXP and Compass are publicly traded companies. They are hemorrhaging money to the point where they've cut technology services and all sorts of stuff um, over the last six months, and they're continuing to do so. Now that's just at the housing market, but we're still having people who have problems. Um, finding and attracting and keeping um, basic laborers. We're seeing people cutting back on their hours at grocery stores, for crying out loud. We're seeing all sorts of industries cutting back, heading into what? The seasonal hiring. So maybe the October surprise comes from the jobs numbers, but there's no question that the economy will cost or should cost the Democrats the election in 2022. It's not just that, by the way, but but I firmly believe if there, again, I've, I've said what, there are three things that I would be doing. Talking the economy, if I, if I were Republicans to win this election, talk the economy, stay away from abortion, and do what with the third one, Pat? I don't know, because I feel like this has evolved over time. Um... Right, because well, I'm I'm it, clear it, about the abortion thing, but right. it, you have to talk about the economy. You have to talk about abortion. You have to talk about culture. You have to do uh, those three things. Right, right. I have I have a sub truth or fiction for you here. Uh, mm-hmm. This uh, this issue will cost the Democrats the House and barely the Senate. So. Here's what I think. If we end up with the numbers I think we end up with in October, um, when we see the jobs numbers, um, we're already seeing the red wave trending. And we already know the house is going that way anyway. I, that's, a, that's a foregone conclusion. I mean, the, the numbers just work no matter what. Um, the right. Senate's a little more interesting. Um, now... A lot of the polling in Wisconsin sucks, by the way. Um, I, I was just there. You know how many Mandela barn signs I saw this weekend, Pat? Um, I can count lot? them on one hand. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, you know how many uh, Ron Johnson signs I saw? You can. You couldn't use your hands and your toes to count Correct. them. All? I lost count. Okay. Okay. That 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 tells you all you need to know about how. Back asswards, the uh, uh, polling is in Wisconsin. 
There's well, again, I, I've used this analogy when you travel across a state like Wisconsin that is as purple as it is. When you see that type of signage, when you see that difference, that tells you there's a difference in not just messaging, not just money, not just everything. But we also see Mandela Barnes trying to walk away all of his Democratic Socialist of America positions from the last 15 years. But I'm using this as the example, Pat, because we're told vis-a-vis the... um, We're we're told vis-a-vis the polling that this is a super close race. No, it's not. I literally, I know people who are dyed-in-the-wool union Democrats who will never vote for Mandela Barnes based off of the things that he's said. That, that is just, no, it's just not happening. This is going to be one of the, the five shocking victories Ron Johnson was in trouble, remember, a year ago. He, he this is a Democrat gonna win. And then you elect and then you put Mandela Barnes up. Whoops. That was the dumbest thing they could have done. Now, my point in all this is, Pat, the Senate is harder to to predict, right? The Senate is much I mean, let's put it this way: in order to gain the Senate, it, it, by the way, the only way for them to win is by like one or two. Right, they they might have fifty one or fifty two. The the math can't work any other way. Okay, it can't work any other way because there are more uh, Republican seats up than Democratic seats. Okay, um, this election cycle, twenty twenty four, you have way more Democrats, vulnerable Democrats, than you do the Republican side. They have to they have to play way more defense in twenty twenty four than the Republicans do. But <clears throat> you're going to look at potentially Arizona. You're going to look at um, potentially Pennsylvania, Georgia. It's trending to Herschel Walker. You're looking at Wisconsin being Ron Johnson. You're looking at some of these states in which you know Nevada might be a place to look at as well. I think they. I mean, a month a, a month ago, the uh, uh, Georgia race. I mean that that was more. We we were both both even saying, yeah, it doesn't look like Herschel Walker is going to win, right? And and that's because we took a look at the polling and some of the on the ground stuff, right? But right. Um, I, I just I'm looking at now the the truth coming out, if you will, right? Hoping and why is this polling coming out? I mean, we saw, um, was it CNN? I think. CNN or NBC, one of the two, or Washington Post. I, no, it was the Washington Post. Bury the uh, story this past weekend of their own polling on the right track, wrong track, uh, Republican generic ballot versus generic ballot uh, Democrat. That polling had Republicans up by 5% on a generic ballot. Think about that. The Washington Post's biased polling still showed a 5% lead for generic ballot Republican. What does that tell you? It's likely 8 to 10%. They're probably off by 4, maybe 5%, right? So I'm looking at that from that perspective and also what I've seen on the ground. I just don't see a way in which I, I don't see a way in which the Senate doesn't go that way unless there's some shenanigans being played out in Georgia or Wisconsin. But Wisconsin has put those, put those, uh, guideposts back in so it'll be interesting to see what happened right we don't have the mail-in balloting we don't have uh some of the things that were going on in the 2020 election 
in Wisconsin that were, uh, shall, how shall we say, uh, um, coloring around the edges, to put it politely. Mm-hmm. Um, other people would suggest that uh, they stole an election in that state, but hey, semantics, right? My point being that uh, this, the trend, the wave looks to be against the narrative that the general media has been telling us. What say you? Fair enough. Uh, I I agree 120% with everything that you just said. Um, I think now we're starting to see polls tighten and be more accurate. Plus, we have all the anecdotal evidence on the ground. Um, you know, we're, the Democrats are definitely losing the House. We We know that that's coming. I think that the Senate also could possibly go red as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's looking more and more of a possibility. Now, if you asked me that a month ago, I would have said we would have barely lost the Senate. Um, now it's looking more like like we might barely win the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I mean, as as the next October surprise comes out, you know, and I think I think you're right about jobs numbers. But here's the thing: the White House and, the, and this administration they're they're going to try to inflate those job numbers and make them look as good as they possibly humanly can. Um, come this October when those numbers come out, like like it's that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go back to Friday's show, though, folks, I'm I'm just going to say this again: the red wave that is supposedly coming is not going to save us. Yeah, there's much, much more that needs to happen. Uh, this is not a this is not a cure. This is just simply a block. That's that's all this is. It's a treatment of symptoms. That's all it is. Oh, kind of like the jab. Okay. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty okay. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And the reason why Andrew Coppins couldn't do his show yesterday is because he didn't want to face me after his Badgers got stomped on by the Buckeyes on Saturday. Packers won. Please be smart, <laughs> be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.